0: Hello and welcome to season ten, episode five of the Cartridge Club's Game of the Month podcast, where we bring together members of the Cartridge Club community to discuss our community playthrough. If you're new to the club or are interested in participating in future months, please join our community Discord, our forums at cartridgeclub.org, or follow us on Twitter at cartridgeclubna. We'd love to see the hashtag Cartridge Club used whenever you talk about one of the games we've selected. I'm Eric, the Mighty Q-Dog, here with Melissa, Mrs. Q-Dog. Hello! And on behalf of our rotating pool of hosts, I'd like to thank you for tuning in. Additionally, on behalf of the entire Cartridge Club community, I'd like to give special thanks to our Patreon Club backers. It's January, and once again we're playing a classic Sega Master System game that even NES fans are envious of. Fantasy Star. Joining us to talk about the game is... Jeremy. Jeremy, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history with gaming and your experience with Fantasy Star? All
1: right. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, I had the pleasure of growing up with a Sega Master System. Um, you know, and Fantasy Star, while it wasn't, you know, the first game or first RPG that I uh, played, it was the one that, like, really got me into video games. You know, it was the first game that I played that seemed like a really well-rounded experience, Uh, you know, between stories and progressions, uh, graphics, sound, you know, I feel like it was the first game that really had that full uh, package, you know. Um, And, you know, kind of going back and playing it as an adult, um, you can kind of see, you know, where, like, maybe the story isn't as fleshed out in the game, but that's why you have to supplement it with the instruction manual, and that, you know, having that instruction manual there as a companion uh, to the game is like was like really helpful and uh, fun thing to have. Um, actually, when I was uh, in fourth grade, I actually I created a tabletop being based on uh, Fantasy Star, and uh, it was overly complicated, and I could never get it to work uh, properly. But it was a lot of <laughs> fun to put together, at least. Um, wow, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> So for versions that I played, I played Sega Master System, um, obviously first. Uh, I played uh, the versions that are on the Sonic Ultimate Gaming Collections, and then the Sega Ages Switch version, and that's the version I played this time, and it's the version I usually play when I go through another
0: playthrough of the game. Okay, and we also have Cody. Cody, why don't you tell us about your uh, history with the game? Um, my history with the game,
2: uh, growing up being a uh, you know living the time of the Sega Master System uh my mom wanted to get it and me and my brother always interjected our own input into the uh games we would per we would get if uh they weren't a gift and um we were against it we wanted other stuff we got govelius uh we got uh wonder boy um just we had just picked other games we thought that looked too complicated so as time went on and um I uh, eventually collected my own Sega Master System and my own games. It was probably about 2001. Is actually the first time that I actually ever played it, and I played it. Uh, just a, I just bought a straight card off of eBay. Um, I wasn't thinking on the aspect of oh, let's get a CIB, you know, like I do now, because it has the instructions and all oh, the yeah. extra art. So I just had that blank cartridge, popped it into the system, played it on a. Newer flat screen CRT in the bedroom, and it was like a 19 inch, and I did it with headphones on, so I could take it all in, you know. And uh, it was it was uh, kind of like a changing moment, you know, to the the Fantasy Star series, because prior to that, I had only played Fantasy Star two briefly with three. I wasn't into it at the time, and then four, so uh, that you know that was my introduction into Fantasy Star, the original game and uh i played through it really enjoyed all the aspects of it It, the dungeon crawling you know really pulled me into shining in the darkness thoughts i really like shining in the darkness that's probably one of my favorite games oh yeah um and for this month uh you know um i played the japanese version because i'd played the u.s version it was probably you know 20 years ago you know a little over 20 years ago and i think i might have played it once more in between to refresh my memory on the history of it, because I eventually played through Fantasy Star 3, did four again, and then I uh, got into the online Fantasy Stars. And uh, you know, there's some, definitely some cues that uh, come
0: from the original in the future episodes of Fantasy mm-hmm. Star. Okay, now I think these two guests have all have played the game in the past before, mm-hmm. but I think our next guest, this might be his first playthrough. And our our guest is James. James, why don't you tell us about your history with the
3: game Fantasy Star? Well, um, zero,
1: <laughs> literally zero. <laughs> uh,
3: that's why I think you actually asked me to join is because you wanted a perspective from someone that had literally never dabbled with it at all.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: uh, this is also being the perspective of someone that doesn't. How do I say? It? I enjoy RPGs, but they aren't my they aren't my thing besides you know i've enjoyed some of the earlier final fantasies obviously final fantasy 7 is one that kind of actually really made me start to love the whole genre mm-hmm. uh but you know it typically would go like uh, i played mario rpg i would call that you know a very beginner's one by any means like it's very beginner for an rpg uh but i enjoyed that as well um yeah like i'm not huge into the genre, but. I see the appeal. I mean, there's definitely some ones that I've played in the past, like uh, the Lunar series on Sega CD, being a, a massive Sega CD fan. You know, I definitely enjoyed a lot of the Sega consoles that were out. I think I was a little bit too young for the Master System, but everything past that, you know, I I owned them all pretty much as they came out to the best of my knowledge. Um, but in terms of gaming, um, yeah, RPGs are... Something that has been a mild interest, to say the least. Um, So hopefully, I put a little bit of perspective on what I felt with this game, having never touched it before, and uh, the rest of the crew here being, you know, essentially what I kind of gather as diehard fans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, yes, I'm definitely
0: looking forward to hearing your take on a 30-year-old, 35-year-old game played in 2023
5: yeah what did you play it on this time
3: i tried it first uh this master system version and all i can explain later my reasoning for moving on to the switch okay. i'm sure everyone here probably knows why though yeah <laughs> okay, okay and melissa i almost
0: yeah. i almost forgot about you go ahead what's your experience
5: so i um didn't play rpgs when i was younger and then you and I got married, and I was looking for some games to play while, because um, I had moved out of, you know, out of state with you, and mm-hmm. so I was looking for some games to play to pass the time. And then you suggested that I try this RPG, one of your, you know, favorite series of RPGs, and that you said you would help me, and so I said, all right, let's let's do it. So I played Fantasy Star back in two thousand one, also. Or was it maybe it was early 2002 i can't remember
0: either way yeah
5: Yeah. um and uh so you helped me play it and i remember um i remember really digging it i mean i got a little notebook out i took little notes to remember different things and stuff because i never because i felt like there was so much information coming at me in terms of weapons and armor and where you had to go and what you had to use and whatnot so Mm -hmm. I um, I really enjoyed it, and so this time around, I said oh, I'm going to play it again. And this time, I played it on the Switch. Yeah, because there are some, you know, advantages to doing so.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk about the different mm-hmm. the different versions of them um, as and, we go. And I, I even played a third version. That's correct. This time. Yes. Um, which I'll mention briefly here. We're not really going to talk about this version. Mm -hmm. I played the Sega uh, Ages remake for the PlayStation 2, which was a Japan exclusive, um, but there has been an English translation patch, a fan translation, and so I played that, and that added some very interesting things. But I really want to focus sort of the discussion on the Master System version. Yeah. And so uh, with that in mind, what I'd like to do is just give a little bit of background. I'm only going to give... A little bit of background on the game, and then uh, we're going to segue right into sort of the story. Mm -hmm. So we are going to have some spoilers here. But um, the game was originally released in Japan uh, on December 20th of 1987, and it came to the U.S. in November of 1988, which makes it um, it's actually one of the first console RPGs in the United States. I think Dragon Warrior predates it, but it came to the U.S. before Final Fantasy even um though in japan i think they were they were contemporaries but it makes it one of the earliest uh u.s release uh japanese rpgs and it came to the sega master system um and as i mentioned earlier i think it's one of the few games that if anybody had heard about the master system back in the day this is one of the games they would have they would have known about it. it it had a it had a pretty big impact um and i think part of that is um the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had some unique characteristics. So I'm actually going to ask, um, I'm going to ask Jeremy uh, if he can introduce the story to us. What what kind of sets off the game Fantasy Star story-wise?
1: Yeah, sure. So,
0: uh,
1: you know, the setting of Fantasy Star is in this uh, three-planet solar system called the Apple uh, system. Um, you know, there's, there's kind of like a uh, planet of green, Palma, desert planet, Montavia, uh, an ice planet, uh, Deserus. and, you know, so presiding over all of these is, is a king who used to be somewhat benevolent and then turned uh, evil, uh, named Lassic, and, um, you know, uh, there's sort of this resistance against his regime, um, and that's where you sort of insert yourself is um, when one of these resistance fighters named Nero uh, goes up against Lassick's men and dies. Um, you, uh, his sister Alice, takes up his sword and kind of takes up his mission to um, take on Lassick and free the elbow system.
0: Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. So that's how the game the game starts off. But one of the first things that we have to do in the game is what? Gather up our group, right? Mm-hmm. Cody, can you tell us tell us about the the party in the game, how, gathering up your your compatriots for this this quest? Okay, so the first the first inkling that
2: uh, you know you're going to be getting your party is you have the you run into um, Tylon, which I played the uh, Mark III version that was translated to English. Um, they uh the name of the character is Tylon which i believe is in the us version uh it's not rudo but it's like rudo from fantasy star 2 uh what what's his name odin odin Odin, yeah. yeah yep so odin his name's tylon in the japanese version wow. and uh you run into him you know he, he's frozen you know is <laughs> it, stone he's turned into stone so that leads you on the the next path, you know, going on and you can't do anything with them and you don't really know that you're supposed to at that point until you acquire the uh, the cat and his name's Meow. Meow or <laughs> however you pronounce we it. We always pronounce it Meow. Yeah. Yeah, Meow. Yeah, same. And you know, Meow is to me, I think an iconic character. Uh, if you follow the series, you'll you'll get it. I don't want to spoil it. Um, so you know, whenever I played Fantasy Star, that's the first one that comes to mind. You know, it's uh it's a unique character. And um, you know, as you move on, the next uh the next character uh is pretty iconic too. Um and I don't want to spoil that either. So I don't know. It's it's uh, it's an interesting process to get your characters. You got to do a lot of fetch. You got to do a lot of grinding in between the fetch, and then uh, when you get them, you know, you obviously get the rewards to your party. But I think about it a little deeper. You know, I think about the uh, story backgrounds that I know about the uh, series. So,
0: okay. So yeah, thank you, Cody. So you you mentioned that it takes a little bit of a grind to To maybe get the party members, let's let's talk a little bit about the gameplay. Um, James, why why don't you lead us in? what what did what was the first maybe the first hour of the game like for you? what did What did that entail?
3: Was it difficult? Um, for me, it was exploring the first town that you basically spawn in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then outside of that town, it's um, basically just you know pure green almost grass, and then there's a bit of a wooded area outside of, I guess you'd call the town walls. Um, yeah, it's basically a lot of heavy grinding, because as expected, you end up starting pretty bare bones, like, with virtually nothing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we can discuss the differences between the two versions later. I don't want to sway away from the uh, the itinerary of plan here, but, uh, yeah, you start out bare bones, it's your, I guess how you'd call it, a uh, typical RPG style with, you know, your menus and your equipping systems, that kind of thing, uh, and then everyone has their individual weapons that are only geared for them, and some of them, uh, you know, you can use with multiple characters if you decide to go that route, like let's say you buy a weapon that's stupidly expensive, and you upgrade for that one character, you can take that other weapon and put it on someone else assuming that they're allowed to use it by the game design mechanics cool. um yeah if, if you've played an rpg before i would say that this is pretty cookie cutter in terms of the way it functions but where this game really shines in my opinion is uh which we'll eventually get into I imagine is the actual quote-unquote dungeon crawling because that's where it's significantly different than anything that I've honestly ever seen before. Coming from anything else where it's more of a top-down sort of 2D view kind of deal, the dungeons is uh, was both intriguing and at the same time the reason why I switched from no pun intended, <laughs> from the Master System version to playing the Sega Ages version because uh, without having a map system it can be it can be game-breaking, I imagine, for some people that aren't really prepared to take on that level of uh, direction, having virtually no way of knowing where you are in terms of, uh, I guess we'll call it sort of uh, you know, the old-school uh, Windows uh, screensaver You sort of like bounce around and look four different ways with the walls on the side. It's very reminiscent of that, only you direct yourself where you go and uh, read the screensaver, you know, where I'm going back, you know, multiple years of Windows, but I'm sure <laughs> yeah. I'm sure some people will probably remember. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say that for someone that's never played it, that's probably the easiest way to depict how those dungeons look only on, you know, a Sega Master System graphic style. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah they were first-person view, right? Yep. And they were just like the Windows or like yep. – uh, openstein 3d or something mm-hmm. right and that that was unique for the master system okay so what about what about the rest of you what what would you think those dungeons were the big big deal what, what about the rest of you i was
1: thinking like might and magic um you know if you're if you're coming out to the master system version uh and it's your first time playing the first couple hours can just be really brutal um you know i i remember uh as a kid anytime I started to playthrough, just like walking back and forth and back and forth and back and forth in front of the gates uh, of Caminate, <laughs> <Yep>. there, <laughs> fight a couple battles, run back in, heal with Suello, run back yep. out, back and forth, back and forth. Um, so I don't do that anymore. I play just I only play the Sega Ages version now because that, yeah. uh, part of the game turns into about 15 minutes.
5: <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what I did too. And I remember, like, I remember when I first got meow and I went out and like, he died like right away. I was like, yeah. oh, I guess I got to like walk around a little bit more and build them up. And in the at Ages 1, I think they get built, they they get stronger faster than in the Master
1: System version. Definitely. So, yeah, definitely. You know, and, and talking about the dungeons and, and mapping it and everything, you know, if you played this when uh, it was first uh, released, you know, it's probably common for you to like grab some graph paper uh, use that to map out the dungeons uh, and in fact, you know when uh, I first met Eric and Melissa, you know, and we talked about this game it, uh, Bringing up that graph paper is almost like a secret handshake with people who played fantasy star, you know back then it's like you got the graph paper
0: You save your bounce. Yeah, you did <laughs> Yeah yep, you
4: those. For
1: sure.
0: <laughs> Yeah, and it's actually unique to fantasy star one that they did the first person dungeons which was a disappointment to me, I you know, but when I heard about the Genesis versions that they mm-hmm. they didn't carry that forward because it was such a unique a unique point mm-hmm. in the game
4: mm-hmm. uh, a
0: selling point or aspect of the game the first person especially on an eight bit system it was mm-hmm. really remarkable to see um, back yeah. in the day. But while you're in the dungeons,
4: mm-hmm.
0: you're not alone. Nope. Let's talk about the battles. And There's a couple of unique things about the battle. Who wants to jump in? Tell us about the battle system.
1: Yeah, so uh, the battles, you know, anytime you switch to battle, it t- changes to that first-person perspective that, like, you know, you get in the dungeon, um, you know, and, and depending on where you're at, uh, Palma, I think, has, like, four different backdrops that you can have, and Maltavia and Desiris just have the one... Um, for each of them. Um, but uh, on Palma, depending on what kind of terrain you're on, it, you know, you can have different backdrops. Um, and then with each with each battle, you have a single enemy you're looking at, similar to what Dragon Warrior had. Except that these enemies can almost be stacked, uh, I guess this is the best way to describe it. So, you know, you might have one enemy in front of you and then five or six different hit point bars on the uh, side of the screen. And that was their way of, like, showing that you're fight fighting multiple enemies. Um and there's no way you can select uh which enemy you want to attack. Uh enemies with a single hit point hit just as hard as enemies with full HP. Yeah. Yeah.
5: And it, it was like kind of annoying too because it was like and, and they wouldn't if you had your whole party, let's say we were at your whole party, all four of them, they wouldn't all hit like the first one and just get yeah. rid of that guy. They'd all hit random ones. So like the the fight would take longer because you're like just get just one guy and get rid yeah. of
1: him yeah, yeah 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 inevitably you'll just be like uh taking away chunks of hit points yep. against all six of them <laughs> simultaneously <laughs> and they're all yeah. just kind of uh you know hitting you back the whole time that's yeah. what makes the guns so great in the game um something i want to talk about later because uh dean and i were talking and he was surprised that i didn't beat a uh, boss in the game, and all the playthroughs that I have had done on the Sega Ages version
0: version, but uh, we can talk about that later. <laughs> okay, let me talk. Let me talk briefly. You mentioned the backdrops. Um, that was another really mm-hmm. I thought a really nice selling point. Something they regressed when they went to Fantasy Star Two, for example, which didn't have any backdrop, mm-hmm. just a blue grid. Well, two we, or three, both, yeah, yeah,
5: both of them. We should talk about, too, like the there's there's different planets, right, that you fight on.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Through.
5: So you've got Palma, I mean, you've, you've got Palma, which is like a
0: That's where green, you start.
5: Yeah, green planet. And then um, you have Motavia, and that is the uh, desert planet. Mm-hmm. And then Desaurus is the ice planet. And so you have three planets that you basically fight on at different times. And so each time you have a battle, the background would change depending on what planet you're on. Yeah. So it was, it was, that was kind of neat. That was kind of cool. Yeah. And too, like on Palma, there's areas where there's water. And so if you're fighting a water monster, you'd see water in the background instead of the
0: trees or whatever. So let let me, let me push on that a little bit. Um, you, you mentioned we're in, we're in three different planets, Mm -hmm. but this is an RPG. Isn't there supposed to be magic and swords? Uh, James, what, what's going on with this RPG? What, what, what's the deal, man? There's, there's space travel and there's magic. What, what'd you think of that?
3: Uh, it's, it's quite different. But, um, like I said, it, it, you don't um, you know, purchase your, your spells or anything, uh, you get them with your experience. And uh, what I found with that was it made an incentive to grind once you knew that that's how it happened, which was kind of cool, because I'm used to, again, limited RPG player, you know, getting, say, something like materia or whatnot. This was just pure level grinding, and uh, that's what got a lot of your abilities, and including, you know, uh, not even just straight-up magic, but uh, it could be for helping the party through different scenarios. It was uh, was different, but uh, at the same time, once you get used to it, it's actually kind of it's forgiving. Once you get used to it, how how everything sort of comes together. Um, but I will say, um, actually, I guess uh, Cody he might have a better idea. If I hopefully I'm not going off a tangent too much, but I don't know if we'll come back to it. Um, with your translation that you did from the Japanese to the English, I'm curious. Just I just gotta ask. Um, I know that you talked about the different characters having different names. How about uh, the translation for the uh, the enemies? Because I found some of the enemy names either made perfect sense, like a scorpion. You're f- battling a scorpion, or then you can get something called an owl bear, which is nothing like an owl or a bear. It's literally eyeball <laughs> <a> <laughs> with wings.
4: <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I, I think that. Overall, I think they were the same. I was trying to uh, do some comparisons uh, from what I remembered. Uh, Owlbear was in there, you know, obviously the different colored variants. Um, As far as I can tell, I think they were the same, but I had read in the past, and I, I think somebody had said that there was a couple different variant names, and I'm not sure which ones those me for sure, I might be wrong, but I thought I'd read that somewhere that the Japanese version had different naming for a few of the enemies. Like, it was a whole different variant.
3: Now, I was just curious if like, the Japanese version was, again, like, winged eyeball, and then somehow that translation just got completely butchered when it came over here. I was just literally had to bring it up because as I was going through the game, like, wow, some of these enemy names are really out there
5: well i wonder too if that was maybe like a lost in translation because i know like some of the like when you in some of the towns there's shops right where you can buy armor and there's a secondhand shop and then there's a first food shop which (laughs) which sold burgers and cola but i wonder if that was supposed to be like a fast food shop
0: oh it certainly was and
5: then then like the owl bear might have been like an owl bat because it had like big eyes like an owl but then it had wings like a bat i don't know i mean there's you speculate, whatever. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I could see that. James is absolutely right. Owl bear makes no sense. It's a flying (laughs) eye with wings. Yes. Not an owl, not a bear, but actually I want to, if I can, just for the record, I want to mention sort of the translation aspects of it and what we're going to be, what I want to kind of focus on, at least for this podcast is we're going to be talking about the English translation of the master system version. And so I want to mention the character names also because one thing that's confusing about the character names is they they do come back in other episodes and they and later games on the genesis in the u.s and they have different names and they're supposed to represent the same characters in the game that we're talking about on the master system our main character is named alice
4: mm-hmm.
0: and it's a it's a woman mm-hmm. which was unique at the time i don't know that we necessarily need to talk about that but having a female protagonist that was un a little unusual yeah. her name is alice uh we mentioned meow who looks like a little cat Named Meow. Mm -hmm.
4: Um,
0: And then Cody mentioned Odin, Mm -hmm. who goes by other names, but in the Master System version, he's called Odin. And the last character, who I don't think we've named yet, Mm -hmm. is Noah, who is a wizard, or they call an Esper. And I remember showing this game to a buddy of mine in the late 90s, and he said, oh, Esper? Oh, they took that from Final Fantasy VI. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, no, they didn't, because this game predates Final Fantasy VI by like six years or something. So... um, that that character, did I mention the name is Noah. Yeah. And sometimes goes by Lutz.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but uh, there's there's definitely yeah, Jeremy, were you gonna say, or Cody, were you gonna say something? Uh you know, the characters in the Mark
2: Three, which would be probably the uh, definitive original cut, you know what I'm saying? Is uh-huh. the way to think of it. You know, Alice is you know the protagonist in there still, Yao is still in there, and then you got Tylon. In which I don't, you know that I don't think that has any tie to the future, but the name
0: of uh, Noah is Lutz, yeah, Mm -hmm. in the Japanese version, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, so so yeah. So they're they're definitely Fantasy Star does suffer from some inconsistent translating. Mm-hmm. and uh, depending on how much of a purist you are you might go for one thing or another but for the purposes of this podcast we're going to use i think the u.s master system names and i think those are the same names that were used in the switch version yes. which i think is the most popular version between at least this group of people to mm-hmm. play okay so we 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 talked a little bit about how there's um magic mm-hmm. right we talked a little bit about the battles i guess uh Do we want to talk what do we want to talk about well
5: there's also like what i thought was interesting was like you know like you got space travel right Mm -hmm. so you're traveling uh you get a spaceship eventually and then you travel by space and then each of the um each of the planets also has like their own uh vehicle other vehicle that you use on the planets right so eventually, you get a uh, Land Rover, mm-hmm. which you can use on Motavia because they have these what are these, so eyes? Like uh, ant lion? Oh, ant lion. To me, they look like a big eye. Again, so I don't know why it's called the ant lion,
0: but so <laughs> I like, think it's supposed to be like a mound with a creature. Oh, okay. that's how I always yeah. interpreted it, like so, a sarlacc right. from Star Wars. Anyway, go ahead.
5: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so then you can traverse. There without hitting these ant lions, uh, and then when you're back on Palma, you get a hover hovercraft, hovercraft hovercraft, so you can traverse the water because there's a lot of water. And which I didn't find out till later, uh, which was good because I didn't know what I was gonna do. There's like lava. I don't know if you get. I'm sure you guys did but there's lava and you can use the hovercraft to go over the lava and not get hurt because one time I died in the lava <laughs> this was before I had the hovercraft and then um you there's an icebreaker ice, ice digger that you can use on Desaurus to get through some of the mountains of ice and, and actually, find secret
0: areas that parts required that is required yes so yeah so we have we have some vehicles. We're mm-hmm. talking about spaceships. You're mm-hmm. traveling back and forth between these plants. Mm-hmm. We have the, the other vehicles. Yep. Um, Which become staples in all, all the games. So
1: each of the games has vehicles uh, and space travel. Um, I'm trying to think of three. Three does. Yeah. Vehicles mm-hmm. and space travel. Yeah. Um, you know, all established in the first game. Um, real quick, I wanted to talk about the Star Wars link. So, you know, people talk uh, quite a bit about um fantasy star and in, com- in comparison with star wars you know you have like the lightsabers the um the hydrofoil or uh, you know the hovercraft or whatever looks like luke's landspeeder. speeder mm-hmm. uh, uh, motavians look like uh, uh uh jawas jawas there you go yeah um, <laughs> but but for the story itself um i've always gone with uh, a different approach so there's this movie um, that came out in 1983 uh, that featured um, uh, characters with uh, swords, you know, like uh, medieval type weapons, going up against people with lasers. Um, uh, I believe there were spaceships in it. Um, I think that's where these people, uh, where the enemies come from. I think they're aliens. Uh, they arrived to their planet by spaceship. I can't recall uh, uh, perfectly. But do you know what movie I'm talking about? I don't think so. So the movie is <laughs> called Crawl. Oh, I know. I've heard of the movie. <laughs> I've heard of
4: that movie, but I've, I've never actually, seen it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if you watch that movie and think about uh, the story of Fantasy Star up to the uh, kind of like ending battle uh, in that movie, I think you'll find some find some like you know good comparisons uh, between the two, especially um, you know with the story, because the you know story is different, of course, than uh, than Star Wars, but. Um, I feel like the story of Crawl and Fantasy Star has a lot of overlap, and the set. Right? So, yeah, so that's okay. that's, that's oh, well, my that's like my, that. my little spiel on the whole Fantasy Star and Star Wars
0: comparisons. So yeah, <laughs> those comparisons have been made, but you're saying it really should be to Crawl. So anybody who's a fan of Fantasy Star, should we go see this movie, Crawl? I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cody agrees. Right. Cody right. agrees. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask about this, the Star Wars thing. So um, you mentioned, I want to do, I I do want to mention one more thing. So you mentioned the Motavians, they look like Jawas. And we did talk about there being three different planets. And Mm -hmm. it turns out that these three planets have three different kinds of indigenous species, Mm -hmm. intelligent species, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The Palmans are more like humans, right? The Motavians look a little bit like um, Jawas. Uh, You said, Jeremy, right? And then Mm -hmm. on Dezorus, the ice planet, they have Mm Dizorians, which they look like tall, green, I don't know, almost lizard-like, I I would say. They have green skin. They're also liars, apparently. Mm -hmm. They like to lie a lot. But what's interesting about this, the reason I'm actually bringing it up is because we we have this space travel, we have these planets and these, these creatures. During battles, you have the option of not always just Fighting with things if you think it's an intelligent creature you have the option of trying to talk to it right Mm
4: -hmm.
2: did
0: anybody did anybody try talking to the different creatures to see what would happen
2: yeah I did uh I almost did it out of like the fact that you could communicate with them and then it was like at that point I don't feel like I
0: should attack them (laughs) that's right that's right yeah it turns out that did you so? Did you find any Cody that you thought were like particularly interesting that you talked to? Any surprises that you wouldn't have thought? Um, I think the um,
2: oh, man I, I I talked to the Jawas, the two uh-huh. types of Java people, you know, and mm-hmm. they're not Jawas, but there's there's those two on uh, Motavia, and then um, you can talk to them on Deserus. As well, I I don't know if I tried talking to much other than that. You know, I think that I thought I'd read something like I tried talking to spider, something mm-hmm. like you could communicate with spider, but it didn't didn't uh, didn't work on the one I
0: was fighting. I guess. Okay. So, Chair, so, yeah, go uh, ahead. Mona. I was going to say
5: so that you had the talk option.
0: There were a couple of there was a yeah. chat, there was a talk, and then there were some spells.
5: And then there were spells. So like. Sometimes, if the talk didn't work, then another time I would use the magic. And then that I was able to talk to spiders, but you had to use the magic to do that. And I was also able to talk to dragons. Yeah, did you guys talk to any mm-hmm. dragons? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I had to use Noah's magic, though, to talk to dragon because his talk magic was more powerful. yeah, so, and then then you don't have to fight them,
0: yeah. It's a little <laughs> bit of a surprise. You can actually talk uh-huh. to some of the characters uh, creatures, and then, you don't have to fight them. Yeah. They'll give you a hint, and then mm-hmm. you can move on. And the dragons were the one that surprised me because they're kind of like bosses. Yeah. But you can talk to them, mm-hmm. and they'll tell you something, and then you know you'll have to reapproach them again anyway and attack them for in certain cases. But, yeah. Uh, Jeremy, any any uh, anything about the talking or the creatures or surprises uh, that you want to mention? It's something I did a lot when
1: I was uh, younger, you know, for the novelty aspect of it. But you know, pretty much in subsequent playthroughs, it's like crushing everything in like, Um, so, I don't, I don't really, I don't really bother with that. Like, I don't, don't even see that on my menu. You just battle everybody?
3: Yeah.
5: What about you, James? Did you talk to anybody?
3: Oh, uh, if you want to go about, into the surprises, imagine my surprise when I had barely gotten my feet wet with this game for a couple of hours, and, oh, would you like to grab the treasure chest? Sure I do. And then it explodes my face and it kills me. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Oh, tell up. us, Yeah, tell us. There's oh, a yeah, freaking man. surprise. It was that it explodes in your face, or you can get like an arrow to the face, or something. <laughs> so and
4: right that one time, battle, I I grinded right right and I didn't and save, drops.
3: and it killed me. And I, I I I don't know if I was more p.o'd about it or just disbelief that what had just happened to me because it was so early in the game that I got screwed. <laughs> mm-hmm
0: yep I forgot about that yeah that's right
5: and i I will say i i mean I know some people might count this as cheating but on um, the Sega ages you know you could save whenever and it would be easy to just like re to restart the game so i a lot of times i would if I was in a dungeon for a long time or i um had a battle I would save it then I would open the chest and if i if it exploded because that would take off a ton of health, I'd just restart yeah I just like i just i just would like start where I from my save again.
0: So James yeah. mentioned yeah, there's an arrow which I think only damages one character.
5: I think so. And then
0: there's an explosion mm-hmm. which hit hurts you all. Yeah. And does quite a bit of damage. Yeah. So and this is after every battle, you have the option of taking the treasure chest mm-hmm. and opening it or walking away if you're worried about it exploding. Yeah. I forgot about that. So yeah, they can punish you even after death. Mhm. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, so, so you mentioned the treasure chest kind of killed you. So let's talk a little bit about the difficulty of the game. We, we talked about sort of maybe the beginning of the game is kind of a slog where you have to grind and go back and forth real quickly. But what do you guys think of the overall difficulty of the game as, as we progressed into the dungeons that got harder, multi-level there was something they did in the dungeons towards the end, which was really annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy, what, what you, what, what do you, what can you tell us about the difficulty of this game in all your playthroughs?
1: Yeah, so as a seven-year-old, uh, impossible. Um, you know,
0: yeah.
1: I, I uh, coming out of that starting area, um, trying to figure out what to do. Uh, you know, couldn't couldn't do it uh, at that age. And actually, my dad and I played this together, um, and there used to be this great system that uh, or hotline that. Uh, sega had called that was 1-800-USA-SEGA and it was a free service and you can call up and you can kind of tell them where you're stuck at in games and they would tell you what to do next so any of the puzzles in this (laughs) like uh how to get the road pass you know from the secrets um uh where uh hapsby or whatever was located that was all Yeah, that was all knowledge I gained from that hotline <laughs> mm-hmm. because, uh, yeah, it just wasn't happening for me. Yeah. Um, t- today, uh, obviously, like, I play this game like the back of my hand, like, um, you know, I I walk through the order of steps, like, like, like nothing, you know, it's like, it'd be like someone like speed running Super Mario Brothers or something like that, which is I something I, I can't
0: do, but <laughs> I can play the heck out of Fantasy Star. <laughs> Good, Cody. What about you? What What about the difficulty for you? Um,
2: I feel like in the amount of time it had been had, that is that has actually passed since I uh, pre played it before uh, this round, it really reminded me uh, how grindy it is and how different it feels from like a a current day RPG. You know, uh, classic RPGs. You know, growing up playing them, you were in for the grind and you knew it, and that was just part of the acceptance. Nowadays, you play an RPG, it feels like you're getting rewarded a lot faster. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can tell you that it it, it was a long time. I was doing the gate walking, slowly walking over to Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Xion, uh, whatever that next town was, Mm -hmm. slowly working my way out there. And actually, going into that optional dungeon on X, or that dungeon basically is optional. Um, you don't have to get the item that's in there, but uh, it. Um, I, I worked my way out that way to get experience, and it was uh, it was a tough grind, you know, to get going. And I'm the type of guy who would like to give myself a little bit of a lead, so I was working to about a level ten and twelve before I decided to move forward. You know, and I would I would take periodic steps like that, and the experience, you know, as it goes on, that that gap just gets wider and wider. And I I made it to a level 29 on all my characters on the playthrough. I don't even know what a max is, and I felt like I'm like, man, I should be one hitting some of this stuff, you know, yeah. thinking you should be, and you're not, and you're looking at like an 8,000 point uh, experience. To get to the next level and you're only getting 54 to 100 you know depending on what it is so it, it's definitely a grind you know i can't imagine uh going any higher than that you know you'd have to just bend bored out of your mind wasting time grinding the heck out so you could just one hit the end game if that's possible i don't know if there's
1: a max level
0: i don't know yeah there is i've never hit
1: it 30 is the max level um i haven't oh. hit that I haven't hit that since I was a kid, uh, you know, like you said, bored and just playing over and over, <laughs> because the the amount of experience you have to gain, like, starting at 25 uh, through 30 is, like, three times what you had to gain from 1 through 25, like, it's, it's really? a 10, yeah. yeah, and you don't ever one-hit uh, any of the enemies, the, the damage you do is so random, and that kind of, like, brings us back to something I wanted to bring up before was that um, you know Dean and I were talking as I was trying to fill up my monster compendium I had missed something and he he was uh, like how how could you have missed that one it was medusa so I don't go and fight Medusa anymore I don't bother with the laconian axe because the damage being so random it's useless you know it's it, for me it's a lot better to have a laser gun you know mm-hmm. even if even if you're fighting one enemy, 20 guaranteed damage I think is a lot better than you know whatever random stuff can happen like you could get like one through five easily i've seen that happen with the laconian axon uh later enemies so um yeah laser gun all the way you know as soon as you get the levino and you can fly to desirus grab that laser gun good to go for the rest of the game yeah Oda that, doesn't need anything else
5: <laughs> that's interesting that you said that because i had wanted that too
1: mm-hmm. yeah, you know
5: i I, I did like the laser gun but then I was like, oh, the Laconian Axe is supposed to be better. So yeah. I used that. But then I, I wondered the entire time yeah. if I had chosen the right one.
0: So, yeah, yeah. the gun the gun is – Jeremy, you alluded to this. I'll make it explicit. The gun does a guaranteed 20 damage to every enemy every turn. It's one of Odin's weapons. And it's, it's the best gun that he can get in the game. Um, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's a guaranteed twenty. And I've wondered about the Laconian axe myself. That's his most powerful, mm-hmm. you know, single hit weapon. But mm-hmm. that gun, that's pretty good. Because because even it's, at level thirty, even at max level, there, you're you're not
1: one hitting any of the uh, you know monsters from Deseris or in by Bi- Malay or whatever the really? name mm-hmm. of that last dungeon is. Yeah, you, you just, you'll just never be. That's strong enough with the uh, with the damage formula that uh, this game has. So the constant damage is way better. Very valuable. <laughs> Very valuable.
2: Yeah, I mean to add on that, I definitely would say once you start the uh, last uh, dungeons of importance, you know, four or five, you know, 4
4: mm-hmm.
2: there, yeah, you're not one hitting any of that stuff, and like there is a big variation between you'll you'll be getting slimes that were like early level enemies still popping up in there that are worth high amount of gold, you know, they're just in there to help you get the gold, because I mean, the the difficulty with the monetary system, you know, it was substantial, I mean, just to get the base set of armor off of Palma, it was like 10,000 or something for the, was it the shields or the armor?
4: Mm-hmm. Or like
2: 7,000 for the shields, and then 10,000 for the the diamond armor, and then you know the swords
0: that you could acquire. I mean it was it was expensive you were grinding for gold You're grinding for gold you're grinding for experience Yeah, and this is we'll talk about the switch version a little later But they ba- they balanced that out a little bit, mm-hmm. but before we get there. I wanted to ask James because moments minutes ago Jeremy said something about the road pass mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the first things that trips people up in the game James, do you, did you get far, did you, how did you deal with this? See, this is like the road pass is like one of the first things in the game that I know really trips people up. How did you do with that part? Uh,
3: you're talking about the accessibility difficulty I, as far as I understood is what people are kind of discussing here. Um, I'm going to say that this doesn't hold your hand very well at all. I, I, in fact, I would go as far as to say that it can be mostly cryptic at times uh without honestly having an online guide i don't think i would have I, I probably would have texted you back and been like yeah i'm out <laughs> find someone else for this yeah <laughs> but good. G- I mean, you gotta go to a shop and oh have him throw you out of the shop twice and then ask a third time like what <laughs> or hey, or you gotta go and find this cake this cake is in the the, the worst possible retail location that you could possibly imagine, because <laughs> I can tell you right now, ain't no one going to you to buy a freaking cake in the future because I was, I was upset having to find you in the first place uh, so it's it's very cryptic as far as, this is from a first time playthrough. I mean, it's one of those things you guys all know because you've done it before. I went into this you know completely completely absent-minded of what you yeah. expect. So, like I said, I I think it's a little bit um, it hurt me a little bit in terms of accessibility not being massive into the whole RPG genre, but um, the ones that I had played definitely definitely cradled you a heck of a lot more and a way earlier than what Fantasy Star does. Now that's not me criticizing it, saying that it's a bad game. I just think it was released at a time. When it made sense to put out a game that way, because you got more value for your dollar, because you really had to, you had to, do what you could to figure this stuff out. You couldn't. There was no Google to just pop this stuff up. I don't even know if, to be honest, with these strategy guides were even that much of a thing back in the uh, NES and Super Master System days. Like, I remember, you know, getting strategy guides later on for even say, uh, some of the Super Nintendo games. But I don't recall seeing them being that that prevalent in uh, game stores or even just, you know, like your local Toys R Us or for me out here in Canada, Zeller's, that kind of thing. Any retail outlet. Really carrying those items for games back that early. It was basically, you know, here's the game, here's some pretty box art. Flip through the manual and, uh, you know, and if you really want to, you can call these... uh, hotline numbers i know jeremy had mentioned apparently it was free for you which honestly kind of staggers me because i thought that those were all uh paid lines so the fact that you actually had that as a free call honestly that blows my mind i don't remember it was always a 1 900 number that i remember growing up and like right now those were never called because my folks were like you're not calling a 900 number for a video game (laughs) <laughs> i i kind of remember that
2: 800 number two i i called it and i thought it was a deal where you didn't actually talk to somebody you were given options Yeah, it was a dial pad option and then they gave you a brief description of certain stuff or it was just a little bit of a segment it wasn't even like that deep and it would uh change up every now and then
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, my recollection of that is talking to someone out um, there, like having to like verbally describe where we were at and and stuff like that. That's interesting. Wow.
2: You know, and and talking about that aspect, I, you know, I wrote into Sega in the Master System and you know early Genesis era, and uh, me and Q Dog were talking about this. Um, you could actually write into Sega and ask for tips. And they would mail it back. And I and I I found that out through the grapevine from a friend. They didn't say that anywhere in their uh, manuals that, hey, write us for tips, you know. And even though Sega, if you look at all their manuals, they have that Forbes Boulevard address on all of it, how to write them directly. And when I found out about that, I started writing them, dude. And, like, some of them, I'd get a response saying we didn't have anything to send on this. And then some I did. And and in talking about that i found one on ebay recently and the guy wants a hundred dollars for it well it looks like it's a print off and i was
0: talking to q dog about it and he showed me something interesting yeah i i did the same thing i now i didn't play fantasy star back in the day and i'll tell you how i got my fantasy star hints in a minute but yeah i i don't know if i knew it or what i just wrote to them once for help and they sent me some stuff and then i wrote a couple more times and yeah they would send uh they would send me printouts, but uh, they sent printouts on letterhead. And cool. uh, all kinds of great, great, great tips. Oh, um, that's cool. But I never got Fantasy Star because I never had the game in 1988. I, I didn't even play it until 96 or 97. But what I did have was GamePro. And uh, I got a lot of hints because a lot of people had asked. They were struck, st- stuck with the road pass or the... Lerma nuts or all the things James is absolutely right really cryptic stuff They had no idea what to do and in those days they'd write to they'd either call Sega They'd write into the magazine they'd write into Sega And so whenever I got stuck I'd flip through my old game pros and sure enough somebody else got stuck there and they answered that question so uh, it was definitely a lot harder back in the day to to uh, get some of these answers Yeah, so so again um
1: Oh, sorry. As so much so that when the second game came out uh, in the U.S., they actually packed it with a strategy guide. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So the second Face Star Two came with its own strategy guide. Uh, that had maps and like uh, walkthroughs. Oh yeah. Of the whole game. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I remember Fantasy Star Two. Yeah. It's funny. And then when I bought Fantasy Star Two at Funko Land many years later. They would just give you the strategy guide. I just asked them, "Oh, well, you got any strategy guide here?" They they gave us. They gave it. I've got I've got one for Fantasy Star uh, two. Did they ever make a, a strategy guide for Fantasy Star one in the U.S.? Does anybody know? Not that I'm aware of. No. no? But three and four have them, don't they, Jeremy?
1: Uh, I've seen three. Have I seen four? Did I did I point out four to you at at PGE? I or thought you
0: had, but I don't remember. Yeah, there, there anyway, might be. I,
1: I know for- I, yeah, they do. I, I have them
2: all. I have them okay. all the guides. Cool. The 3 one was actually a write-in mail order. Oh. Really? Like if so you're a you, your your copy of for- Fantasy Star 3, there's a flyer in there, and it's on purple and white. You know, it's almost like a little letterhead that a church might hand out to you at the door, you know, about yeah. the size of the case, and tells you right to, right to this address, pay shipping and hand. It was like 14 bucks, and then they send you the... The guide, and it's actually a full-size, you know, booklet as opposed to, like, the Fantasy Star 2 one only being about that wide. Yeah.
4: Ah. Wow. And the Ooh, 4 yeah,
2: one, it. the 4 one I got in, uh, from uh, uh, Alex, Hal's Music and Games, I got it from her at, uh, I think I got it at the PRGE, the first one I went to. And it, it, it yeah, that's a full-size, like, Brady Games-looking manual. Mm-hmm.
1: Nice. yeah that, that's that is so interesting. i you know I had Fa star three um, brand new, and I guess I just didn't look very closely at the materials that came with it other than the instruction manual. but now you um, kick it
0: yourself yeah
1: because <laughs> I've seen you know since then seen that strategy guide, I was like, oh wait, there's a fancy star three strategy guide. Uh, And now it's like a $60 plus item or something. It's like, oh, I guess I'm never getting that now. I wonder if I could still write them in. To what? (laughs) If
0: I could still write them. (laughs) Uh I'm sure they've got a bunch of PS3 strategy guides in a box somewhere. (laughs) All right. All right. Um, If I can, I think what I'd like to do now is let's cover – we kind of talked about the game. We talked a lot about the the game. It's mm-hmm. the playing of the game. I wanted to talk a little bit about the technical aspects of the game. Um, we mentioned the dungeons in the first person uh, and the backgrounds. D- you know, uh, Cody, what what do you think of this game uh, technically, graphically, and sound for a game that came out in 1988? Um,
2: for Master System, it's probably got to be the best graphically. Yeah. Uh, the well use of right color palettes when you're dungeon crawling, uh good uh use of darker colors and separations of the pixels on the actual sp- uh, characters that are on screen fighting you is is awesome. Um I, I really looked deep into that when I was playing at this round. Like man, they did they actually did a real good job separating it even though you know the Sega's color pattern when you look at like other systems of the time uh it seems so much darker, and with that it's it's so so much more vibrant and uh the actual uh outer world uh interactive areas when you're along a coastline, like I was just staring at that like dude, they did an awesome job with the waves coming in on the beach and seeing the waves out in the water sequencing with it all and uh uh it's just awesome i mean all the dungeons had a different color scheme for the most part the uh, especially the the key point ones
4: mm-hmm.
2: um just the animation effect when they did their attack you know like when you're talking about the lokan cannon axe uh, not being worth anything it had a cool little animation that popped up when it hit you know it seemed really wide and broad and you could see it is and you know i always like seeing the laser the laser gun shots so you know and the sound effect you know
4: you know, it had a pretty oh, good yeah.
2: sound effect thing going for it, too. I mean, Master System, they just... I don't know, man. It's its a sad state of things when you look at how technically powerful that game is for the time. That they could have done that with a lot more. Mm-hmm. But that's, yeah. that's going into Sega, you know, territory decisions there. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, overall, I think the game looks amazing for the time.
3: I would argue that... uh you know you've seen people they say, "Oh, well, this is the uh, the titles that were uh, pushed the limits of the console." and i I would absolutely agree that this probably is me not I mean, I'm familiar with this Master System library, even though I didn't grow up with it. I've played quite a bit of it through emulation. I've got a little bit of a collection behind me over there. and uh, off camera. Off camera, right. I know it's sad. I, actually, no, I lied. No, there it is, right oh, there. there it. it is. there, <laughs> there's the white spines. <laughs> I, I moved things around recently. Um, you know, it's, uh, if honestly, if you were to sit someone down, having never known what it was on, and they're familiar with the Genesis, I would not fault them thinking that it's a Genesis title, because yeah. it honestly looks it it doesn't look like it belongs on the Master System considering some of the other titles that I've played, it's, honestly, it looks remarkable by comparing to anything else that the library has to offer, at least that I am have played. And, uh, like you guys said before, like, it would be something that the NES owners would be jealous of at the time, and, yeah, like, I mean, it, it honestly looks absolutely killer when you take something like the original Final Fantasy for a comparison, it's like, night and day, What a, how much of a different immersive experience it is compared to just your 2d view where yeah everyone's familiar with it fantasy star really was on when they produced that they thought you know let's try and do something different that's really going to knock people's socks off and i think they really they really drove it home with that Mm -hmm. um but i will say that i did prefer the uh The music, the the enhanced music, I forget what you guys called it on the ages version. I preferred that over what the Master System had to offer, but that's just a personal preference between the two that I had played. Okay. Jeremy, uh,
0: I want to ask you, but tell us, I think you know, tell us a little bit about the sound. Uh, Do you know what he's talking about? The two different sound things? Tell us a little bit about what that is and then give us your impression of the sound and, and, and video.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, when the Master System came to the U.S., uh, they released it without the FM sound module uh, in it. So, uh, you know, all the music that you hear and the sound effects that you hear uh, in in the U.S., you know, for games released in the U.S. are different than, you know, their Japanese counterparts, as as far as I understand it. Um, And and so with this new Sega Ages release, um, they gave you that option to Bring back that fm sound you know so for people who only played the u.s master system version it's like a totally new uh thing for them and it's actually become my preferred way to play the game um you know although i still have that nostalgia and that love like i'm hearing the game uh the opening theme in my head right now as i'm talking about it as psg audio
4: <laughs> but uh,
1: i play it With FM sound now, and I I think you know if the master system had released with you know the FM sound capability, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure that's what that's what it is. I don't know too much about the inner workings of the system, but um, that 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 this game probably would have garnered a better uh, reception here in the states. Um, Yeah, because it it, you know like uh, like Cody and James mentioned, you know graphically, you know you look at that sprite work. Not only is it like Vivid, but it's large, you know, that while Dragon Warrior had some good sprite work, um, it's, it's a lot smaller, you know, and you, you look at these fully fleshed like monsters, um, you know, the backdrops of all the uh, um, battles and everything. Um, you know, so that, that aspect of the game, uh, you know, tops what was available on the NES at the time. It's the sound, I think that, um, you know, had you had that FM sound capability, would have really, like, elevated it to, uh, l- like, a legendary status, you know. For whatever reason, um, Fantasy Star, I th- you know, I think, anyway, I don't know, I don't do a lot on online spaces, but I feel like it's still kind of a, a niche, like, um, game series, you know? Especially when it comes to uh, straight-up role-playing game, because it-, it stopped being a straight-up role-playing game in 1994. When uh, Phantasy Star 4 came out and it turned into an online, um, you know, kind of uh, is it, is it it's a multiplayer online game. I've never, I haven't really played the uh, online Fantasy Star games, whereas the other ones continued on, so their legacy was able to uh grow. But when you come back to their origins, you know, people still think of like Dragon Warrior One Final Fantasy One as being legendary games. I think Face Star would have that uh, status if the sound capabilities had been like
0: there from the start. Yeah. The- what about you, Melissa? You, well,
5: you? I play both. You know, I played the original, and then I played the Sega Aegis Switch one. And I, I guess I'm maybe it's nostalgia talking, but I I think I like the original because you were playing the uh, Master System one again for this go around at first, and so and that is the
0: PSG sound, right?
5: And then I was playing it on my Switch at the same time. And so I would hear your music, and I would hear my music. And I was like, I do kind of think I like your music better.
0: You like the PSG? Yes.
5: And I, and I don't know. I mean, you know, just like you said, Jeremy, like you can hear the opening sound. I can hear the Palma, you know, music and walking around in town. And then the, drum, the dungeon tune is one of my favorites. And that is something that... Um, so Eric will tend to whistle um, throughout the day and he will whistle various video game songs. And for the longest time, he always did the Dungeon from Fantasy Star. And even, and when we started playing this for this podcast uh, in January, he, the girls would come down. Our children would come down and see us playing it, and then heard the dungeon music, and they said, "Oh, that's where that song comes from." Because they even re- know that their dad will go around whistling the dungeon music and not know where it's from, and now they do.
0: So. That song's been in my head red yep. free for thirty years. Yeah, that's very.
5: Right. So, yes. uh, you
0: know. Well, I want to mention quickly. I want to mention quickly. Uh, we did a community poll mm-hmm. about the sound. Uh, about whether uh, people prefer the FM or the PSG, mm-hmm. which is the original Master System U.S. Master System sound chip. We got 11 votes, and it was it was as close as an odd numbered thing can get yeah. of only 11 votes. It was 55% preferred the FM sound in our playthrough. Yep. So uh, nostalgia aside, um, James he played it for the first time. He likes the mm-hmm. FM sound. I think Jeremy is saying. He likes the FM sound. Well, yeah. I have nostalgia for the PSG. I know, and so do I. And what do you Cody. What, did, what do you what do you prefer? Um since
2: I played with the FM sound for the first time and I I prefer it, you know. I mean, the, okay. the punchy bass sound pattern is really good,
1: you know. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Play, play, playing that uh on a good sound system, you
0: know. Yep. It, it it sounds like punchy. a game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's punchy. Okay. Well, there you have it. So the best way to play, I mean, so Jeremy, you mentioned, you can't play Fantasy Star on a U.S. Master System with FM Sound. So if you want to hear FM Sound, there's some expensive options, mm-hmm. but then there's a really great option. Let's talk about this. We've mentioned it a few times, and that's the Switch Ages, Sega Ages version. Right. And uh, Melissa, lead us into this. What you've played, tell us about the Sega Ages so version. So the Sega they Ages
5: picked- version, they added the FM Sound. They added auto mapping for the dungeons so you can see where you're going you can see all the surprises in the dungeon that you know there are there are traps in the dungeon and you can see those ahead of time if you're not walking too fast you can see those ahead of time and also there's something that you that you mentioned eric that you didn't think was that you didn't know about before is that there are like hidden spots in some of the dungeons and you can see that on the auto-mapping. You're like, why is that gray over there? And if you go, you can walk through a wall, which I think some of your maps didn't have. On the Master System no.
0: version, unless you turn and look at the wall, mm-hmm. it won't show you that there's a secret as you're just traversing. Yep. You actually have to turn. And that's actually a nasty part in the very last dungeon of the yes. game, which we'll, I'm going to skip mm-hmm. for now. But there are secrets in the ma- in the yep. dungeons and the auto-map.
5: So, and then, um, I forget... Can you you can save anywhere in the Master System one, right?
0: Mm-hmm, yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. So that does that's and then oh, and it also had the manual and hints. Like it gave, uh, it told you what each of the weapons, what their value was, and who can use them, and all the items, what they're used for, which was very convenient as well in the Master System one. Mm-hmm. I mean, in
0: the Switch one. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. What so, about the rest of you? Whoever played the Ages version, what what'd you think?
3: Oh, the ages version was night and day. Cause I started out, um, the master system, like I said, and, um, not to say that, cause I felt pressured that I had to try and get as far as I could within the month and, you know, things get in the way, you know, work and life and whatnot. And, uh, carrying around, you know, my laptop with the emulator on it, isn't exactly the easiest thing either. <laughs> so, uh, but the reason why I switched, cause I was sitting there is like, everyone tells me how much, better the the ages version was like in like we had already touched about how everything is stupidly expensive for what you get from uh the enemy treasure chests uh and your level experience takes for freaking ever and i learned almost within call it 20-25 minutes how fast you can grind by comparison Mm -hmm. like yes like monstrously faster Mm -hmm. you can take five hours of grinding on the master system and do it in probably like 90 minutes or less Mm -hmm. through the ages version and that's not to say that it's making the game easier it's making it more accessible without having to spend that much time Uh, as i mentioned i think this game was released like the way that it was designed originally is a product of its time when people were expected to sit at home and figure this out. And, you know, like I said, you got your money's worth because you'd have to figure out these cryptic um, puzzles and whatnot that you otherwise would, you'd feel super accomplished when you actually did figure it out because you didn't have any real outlet to tell you with the exception of all your friends and whatnot or calling in your Sega line. But uh, the Aegis version made it. Infinitely easier in terms of accessibility. It didn't make any of uh, it didn't like guide you any uh, any more so than any of the other versions, but uh, your grinding is there. Um, And then, like Melissa had mentioned, you get um, like a like a a crib sheet of all the weapons, who can own those weapons, like a complete full-on list. And then also uh, the whole leveling system who can unlock this spell here. You you literally just knew just by going through, what was it, like two menu options on the Switch.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: you got like the, the entire, uh, like basically novel of what this game had to offer and what you could do to m- reach those goals. And uh, I, honestly, and then like, uh, I'm gonna rave about this too. The dungeon crawling was infinitely better with that too. Mm -hmm. This is coming from someone that, again, not massive into the whole RPG thing, but I had also never seen anything like this with the first person view, but being able to see the dungeon on the left-hand side of the, or sorry, the right-hand side of the screen, and like, okay, I have been here before. I can skip going this way. I actually noticed without you guys even mentioning here how some of the walls would have a slightly different texture on the map. I'm like, oh, I wonder what that is. Oh, that's a hidden passage. You can go actually through those bricks like it's a curtain. Mm -hmm. It, it It really made an interesting experience a whole lot better for someone that had never touched this before. I mean, full out. I don't know that I would have bothered giving this game as much attention had the ages version not been accessible for myself to grab.
1: Yeah, so just one more thing to mention. You guys brought up, you know, pretty much all the, you know, good uh, quality of life improvements. Um, the last one is it's not uh, available by default. You actually have to map a, a, a button on your controller to it. But the ability to fast forward. Um, so there's a couple enemies that are particularly uh, long. With their battle animations you know zombies and ghouls and slimes in particular oh
4: yeah
1: that you can um you know hit that trigger button or wherever you map it to that's why i mapped it to but uh and fast forward you know about that
5: <laughs> no i didn't what i <laughs> yeah. did i should also mention that uh when i was playing dean told me on stream that you can also walk faster you can choose you, there's a there's a setting oh.
3: I did that too. That made things a lot nicer. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that made
5: things a lot nicer too. So, but, oh, I like that. Cause yeah, the, the slime, it was like, uh, you know,
0: yeah, so, the ghoul, ghouls and zombies. Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't, so the Sega ages version on Nintendo switch maintains the sort of master system graphics and sound, including the Japanese FM sound, but then it added all these quality of life improvements, like mm-hmm. auto mapping and speed and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So, it's it's really it's really a great way uh, to play the game, right? It's really it faithful to the U.S. version yeah. with all these nice things added. Yeah, and I think
5: like for me too, like when I first played it, you know, back in two thousand one, two thousand two, I had more time, right? We didn't have children, mm-hmm. you know. At that time, I didn't have a job, you know, and so I had more time. So playing the Master System version was doable, and now being able to play it on the switch you know on the go and you know in a lot you know faster time that is makes it makes it a lot more enjoyable for me yeah. too yeah. it's it's
0: really yeah it's it's really a great version and I, I want to take this opportunity to talk a little bit about some of the ways that we can or or you can or other people can play uh, fantasy star of course we talked about the master System cartridge um, We've talked about the Sega Ages version, which goes on sale on the eShop all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can, I, that's my my recommended way to play it. Um, I know there was a release of it. It's a unlockable on the Sonic's Ultimate Sega Genesis Collection,
4: mm-hmm. which
0: was for Xbox 360 and PS3. And I'm going to just make a quick plug for the uh, Sega Ages version for the PS2, if you have a way to do it. Um, There's a fan translation uh, on the PlayStation 2, which really is a graphical overhaul. They add a ton of story elements. They added a ton of weapons and RPG elements like status effects, all kinds of things. Um, Has anybody here, I guess Cody is probably the most likely, has played the Sega Ages version?
2: No, I haven't played it. I can tell you, though. I was hyped for it cuz right around the time that I actually played Fantasy Star for the first time, I, I had read in a magazine that Conspiracy Entertainment or whatever the studio was was making the port of that to the US for the PS2. And I waited for years and then finally they came out and basically said it was
0: canceled. Yeah. They were going to do two they were going to do the whole series. Yeah, from my understanding, like that. I was really disappointed when I heard it was canceled. Yeah, Jeremy, did you say that you've played it? No, I, I've never played it. That's that's
1: something that's always somehow eluded me. I've only uh, seen video and <laughs> pictures of it,
0: but uh, it's something I really want to try out at some point. Okay, but really, really, I think the Sega Ages version on the Nintendo Switch is is one of the best ways um, to to play Fantasy Star these days. I definitely highly recommend it. Um, I'd like to now, I think what I'd like to do now is maybe go around and get people's final thoughts. And I'm going to ask everybody, Curtis does this. He does the three questions of doom. And I don't remember all three of them, but I'm going to ask you the ones I do remember. Um, I'm going to ask everyone, uh, give us your final thoughts. And then um, rank the game out of five. And Curtis doesn't accept half points. So integer. One, two, three, four so out of five. So we, we
5: could accept half. points. No,
0: I want to do what Curtis does. Okay. So no half points. You Got it. You got it. Stick to it. So we'll just go through this. Um, Jeremy, what are, what are your final thoughts on on Fantasy Star? And then I'm going to ask you some questions of doom. All right. Uh,
1: so Fantasy Star, you know, is a of course, as I mentioned, a staple in my uh, video game history. You know, it's what got me into RPGs. Uh, to this day, uh, RPGs are my preferred uh, game to play. Um, You know it all really started with my love for fantasy star Um, my dad and I played this side by side growing up You know as we discovered new things we would um, We would have separate save files, but as we discovered new things one of us would save over the others and effectively You know we were playing on a single save file and actually something funny. Can I talk about the ending
0: a little bit? Yeah, go ahead We skipped the ending. Yeah. Yeah,
1: go ahead uh, so at, at the ending, um, you know, you fight King Lassic, uh, and if you click the buttons too fast, you miss that you're supposed to go somewhere else. So my dad got to the ending of that beat Lassic, and missed that part and uh, deleted his game um, so that I had to beat it myself. You know, he's oh. very proud of that. <laughs> so he came up and told me after I got home from school, he goes, hey, I, I ended up beating uh, Lassic, but uh, you got to do it yourself. I deleted the game so i said okay so played through it beat, you know beat Lasic and then was reading through the text and said hey uh i don't think that's the end of the game
4: yeah
1: <laughs> and uh, of course as we know it's it's not there's a there's one more uh yeah. boss after that you, you know the game tells you to go visit the governor yeah again. yeah and then and then you encounter the, the final boss. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a memory that always sticks out of my mind is something funny when I uh, think about this game. But um, but yeah, totally, totally like a staple like I said in my library and you know, game I'll love forever.
0: Great. Yeah, I always had a friend I'll comment on the ending real quick. Mm-hmm. I always had I had a friend who used to say any good RPG has another final boss after the final boss yeah and fantasy stars like that too all right so i'm going to jeremy i'm going to ask you the the questions of doom so um the first one i think is should people play this game today yes it's worth playing today it's aged well and all that kind of stuff I, i think so yeah okay okay and then we'll just keep it to two maybe how would you rank this game out of five? One, two, three, four, five. Integers only. Uh, five out of five. Five out of five. <laughs> All right. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Cody, how about you? Any final thoughts on uh, Fantasy Star you want to mention?
2: It's just a great playthrough. Uh, if, you're, if you want to sit back and play a game that's going to be uh, reminiscent of what RPGs used to be, uh, it's a great example of grind but I feel like it's more of a hardcore grind, so uh yeah, I mean, it's a good one to go back and play, and like me, I've, like I said, a couple couple playthroughs in my lifetime, and you know who knows when the next one will be, but it, I feel like it needs to be played to get the rest of this uh, you know main cartridge series, and even into online. I mean there there's
0: tie-ins uh, to from the first game that you would only get if you played it. that yeah, right. Oh. Yeah, I want to talk about some of the other games in the series at the end. Okay, uh, Cody, how would you uh, rank this game? Or should somebody play this game today? Should anybody? Should we play the game today? Do you recommend people play yes. the game today? Yeah, definitely. Yep.
4: Uh-huh.
0: And how would you rank it out of five? Five out of five. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna add a third question. I'll go back and get Jeremy's on this. What version should people play of Fantasy Star if they're gonna play it today?
2: Okay, uh, Sega Ages, uh, Switch version. Definitely. Switch, Cody. Yep. Um, being that I've only played the two cartridge base, and actually, the one that I played was the uh Mark III version that had a translation patch, uh-huh. and that translation patch had the uh uh options that the Switch one does, so I use 2x walk speed, 2x exp 2x gold and uh I still put at least 20 hours into it you know it was like six streams just to finish up the last few dungeons was four hours. so even with those settings when you can even augment them even further, I mean <laughs> yeah I mean I would say play the switch versions or you know unless you know how to patch ROMs, um don't you know pl- play one with those quality of life and you'll probably. You know, if you want that quick
0: experience, play the switch one. okay, okay, James, what do you think of fantasy star?
3: Um, well, I know that you have raved about it for many years that I've <laughs> known you. And like I like this goes back countless years that that I've known you, that you've actually uh, toted about how much you enjoy this game. And I went into it open-minded because I mean, I'll be honest with you, I didn't. I didn't go in expecting to hate it, but I didn't go in expecting to to love it. I went in open-minded thinking, well, I'll, I'll give it a decent chance, being that I'm not super huge into into the genre. And I, I'm glad that I tried both versions that were accessible to me, the Master System, because I, you know me, I'm a purist, I like to play it as pure as I can. Mm-hmm. But I quickly found out that that's probably not always the best case when you can, as you guys are touting it, as quality of life improvements. Um, but the Switch version was honestly, hands down, it, it turned out a game that I went in speculative of my enjoyment, and it honestly was a lot more than I had expected. Um, I will say that it was still from a first-person playthrough perspective, incredibly cryptic. But again, that it's reminiscent of the time that it was put out. So I think that that nature suits the title for when that was produced. But uh, I surprisingly did enjoy it, and this is coming from someone that genuinely doesn't really give RPGs all that much of attention.
0: Okay. All right, so, so do you think people should play the game today?
3: It For a first-time well? playthrough, I would 100% say yes, but please go with the Switch version. Okay. You will thank but- yourself later. Unless you really, really have, like, a month off of work and you want to go the purest route, yes, it's absolutely still worth a play. Go ahead and grab yourself a Master System card. But um, I, I do 100% recommend it. But um, depending on what you have to put into the game time-wise... Um, The version that you choose can make or break your playing experience.
0: Okay. So now, as someone who is a first-time player and who is a self-professed, not a big fan of RPGs, this is a really important question. I want you to rate the game. And don't let the fact that everybody else is rated it a five so far. (laughs) We're looking for a really honest review here. What would you rank this game out of five?
3: You know what? Full tilt, I am going to... Because you won't allow integers, because, you know... Curtis, <laughs> go ahead. Um, I think it's entirely fair giving it a four. Four. I, I personally think that... I, I, I see why you guys did it for your side. You guys have the nostalgia for it. I yeah. don't. But, honestly, if it was most any other RPG that I would have tried, I would have probably not even bothered going... More than a handful of hours through it, and this one, this one that I saw honestly really did surprise me in terms of enjoyment for for what it was, and um, yeah, I, I think four is incredibly fair. Um, would I love to give it a five? I would, but I, th- it's just a little bit too cryptic for my taste for sure. for figuring out what you needed to do and having to rely going online. But again, if it was thirty plus years ago and I had nothing but time on my hands and just going to school, then you know I might have had a little bit more chance to kind of grind that out. Excellent. Mm-hmm.
0: Excellent. Good. Yeah, I, it, it, always interesting to hear the take of a, a first time player. Melissa, you want to give us your last thoughts and uh... um
5: well, Phantasy star is my first RPG. Mm-hmm. You always remember your first. So um, I still enjoyed it this time around. I uh, probably enjoyed it more because it did take less time. Uh, and um, it, you know, I like RPGs. I don't play a lot of them because they do take up a lot of time. I mean, y- y'all know I'm still on Octopath, and that's been like three oh years, four years now, five years. Yep. I don't know. So, um, but I'm loving. I'm still loving that game. And I and I I do only like turn-based RPGs, and this may be why, because this was my first one, and it's turn-based. So um, I definitely love it. I say definitely, yeah, play it, you know, um, and play it on Sega Ages Switch. Um, the quality of life improvements makes it, um, you know, some of those things that you dislike about RPGs, this overcomes it, so I definitely say that. And I'm, I'm gonna give it a five. I'm gonna give it a five.
0: You're giving it a five out of uh, five. And I'm did you rec give- And which version did you recommend?
5: I, the Switch version. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And should people? Did you say should people yep. still play it today? People
5: should play it today. Play it on the Switch. It'll be a great, you know, little RPG that you play, and it doesn't take a long time on the Switch. It really doesn't.
0: Yeah, because they sped yep. up so much stuff. Okay. Well, uh, now I want to ask. You on my opinion? Yes, but oh, you
5: know, uh, no, you gotta, you gotta. Nice.
0: I, you know, I have, Especially I have it. You played three
5: different versions. You played this on three different systems. Yeah.
0: So I'll just cut to the chase. I mean, it it wasn't my first RPG, mm-hmm. um, but I, I didn't play it until about 1997. Um, I really enjoy it. I enjoy the whole series. Uh, it, you know, whatever. I, I would probably, certainly as a master system game, it's a five out of five.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, we talked about graphics and sound and all that stuff. It is just, it is just head and shoulders above anything that was available at the time uh, of its contemporaries. Uh, So it's definitely a five out of five. And uh, as far as which version I would recommend, because I have some nostalgia for it, I do recommend the Sega Ages version on Nintendo Switch because of the mapping and all that stuff and because it stays true to the original. Um, If you have the means, though, the PlayStation 2 Generations version is really good. It really fleshes out some of the story and adds some more modern RPG elements. Uh, which mm-hmm. I found was really interesting. Um, and do I recommend anybody play it today? Yes. It, as James has mentioned, it's a little bit older style RPG, but there is Google. There are walkthroughs. You can get through it, you know, and uh, it, it's a lot of fun to play, especially if you're into sort of the old the old style uh, RPGs. So yeah, I mean, you know we we all love we all love the game. Yeah. So from there, I wanted to ask where, do people who have played Fantasy Star go from here? We've made an allusion to a number of the other games. Um, Cody, what what should what you played? People who have played Fantasy Star One, what do they do next? You, Any other games? You, like- you got to go
2: in order. Fantasy Star Two. Uh, you know, my, my my thoughts on it. You you got to play the whole series and take the story in while you're doing it. Don't just rush the experience because. Uh, I know with like Fantasy Star Two, I've played it more than once already in my lifetime. You know, maybe three, four times. Uh, Fantasy Star Three, I've done a couple, in which I'm honestly kind of thinking about doing a run of them all again after playing that. And then Fantasy Star Four, I've done uh, a numerous amount of times because uh, I can tell you, like one of the last times I played it, um, it it really tied. A lot of things in that I hadn't seen before, uh, like with in the first game ties in. You know, there's some things that tie into it. You got to play them. I mean, it, it, and even going into the online, you know, Fantasy Star Three, fantasy concepts of Fantasy Star Three and twos story go right
0: into online. Fantasy Star Online, right? Right. Yep. Okay, Jeremy, what about you? you have any thoughts about what players uh, should do with Fantasy Star Series?
1: Yeah, like Cody said, definitely play in order. Uh, You know, so you play the first one, hit the second, third, fourth. Um, The the third is uh, a little bit of an offshoot. You know, it doesn't seem very obvious where it fits into the overall story um, until closer to the end of the game. Uh, But four does a nice job of tying them all together and 4 really is like just you know kind of the perfect uh culmination of the whole series and just kind of um, you know really sends the um you know traditional rpg uh, game series off uh r- really nicely um you know it it uh, it's probably the one with the best like fleshed out story mm-hmm. um although i think 3 is a game that had some good uh technical ideas um, that uh that probably suffered from a shorter development time and would probably uh you know uh do the best with some kind of remake or um, something like that but um and then, and then two, two is a is a grind fest. <laughs> so if you thought one was a grind fest, two is a grind fest. <laughs> you know, I want to ask
2: Jeremy since you got you know the full series experience. You know, it seems pretty well memorized. I mean, they all, it, it ties, you know. People talk about three not tying. No, it, it so does, you know. And you that's why I'm saying you got to take the story in and not miss certain dialogues because when you get to, you know, each game, there, something ties. And uh, four is just like
0: like you said, the ultimate culmination of all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Yep. So
0: yeah. So what I'm hearing is both of you are recommending that people who liked Fantasy Star One should continue two, three, and four in order. Those are all three Sega Genesis they are available on the Sega Genesis, and uh, the various Genesis collections seem to always uh, include two, three, and four. So definitely give those a shot. And I will say number four is my personal favorite mm-hmm. of the series. Always, always highly recommend that but don't play four until you've played two and three. (laughs) Okay. So I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of our cartridge club game of the month uh, podcast. Uh, And we have the pleasure of announcing the future, the upcoming games Uh, for February cartridge club is playing Elden ring, which was voted game of the year. I think in Mm -hmm. December Uh, that's available on PlayStation four, five and the Xbox one or Xbox series uh, consoles. I think it might Steam. be. It's on Steam, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And then in March, Curtis, who we've mentioned, is bringing us Mario Madness, where he will be. we will be jumping into the original Super Mario Brothers 1, 2, and 3, which surprisingly, I don't think the Cartridge Club has ever covered. Wow. And I'm looking forward to that, because I've never played Super Mario Brothers or beat, beat any of those games. So um, join us in March for Mario Madness with Curtis. And then finally, we have the honor of announcing the April game of the month and that is going to be Tomb Raider.
4: Mm. Now,
0: there are a lot of Tomb Raider games, I don't know exactly which one we're covering. I think it's OG. The OG Tomb Raider. Yeah. And so stay tuned for some details about OG Tomb Raider.
5: And again, if you'd like to get involved with the club, I'd encourage you to follow us on Twitter, at CartridgeClubNA. You can also visit our Discord for all kinds of discussion about past, present, and future games of the month. There's also the Cartridge Club forums at cartridgeclub.org and the Facebook community and group pages. To those of you interested in supporting the club beyond a review on the podcast app of your choice, I'd like to mention that the club is entirely funded by pledges made from other members of our community. We are extremely grateful to those supporters, and if you're interested in becoming one of them, please look into how you can do that at patreon.com slash club and we just want to thank all of you for being on so um jeremy why don't you tell us where we can find you
1: uh these days just on discord
5: <laughs> yep.
1: yep we In see the you yeah cartridge club discord <laughs> yep.
5: all right and cody where can we find you
1: uh you can find me
2: on twitter at master c welch or my favorite
3: place to hang out uh twitch master welch
5: And James, where can we find
3: you? Um, I'm sporadic with uh, work, unfortunately, in terms of content that I can put out. But uh, I do frequent uh, YouTube, at Retropixel. The same with Twitter and Twitch. I'm on all three. Again, I'm not super... Consistent with putting out content, but when I find time I end up doing like two or three videos all at once And then I'll go absent for a period of time and then I'll dump down another two kind of thing but uh, (laughs) in terms of Twitter um, I try to keep on top of that every couple of days and uh, Twitch as much as I would love to stream more I don't but um, You could throw a follow on there and when I do go on um, I generally prefer the uh older kind of arcade style games platformers that kind of deal
5: cool very nice okay all right and i'm mrs q dog you can find me on twitter or the discords mrs q dog that's d-a-w-g
0: yeah and i'm mighty q dog on twitter uh and you can we also have a youtube mm-hmm. channel yep. called mighty the mighty q dog channel that you can mm-hmm. find us on and of course we are also active on the cartridge club discord mhm
5: Then to everyone listening, we look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for joining us. CC CC Unite. Unite.